Hi, this is Jim from Safety Words. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity, the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. For Tuesday, May 16, 2023, we're on the air a little bit later tonight. That's the way it goes when you have all these after-school activities and everything else. But at least we're here. We're giving you information. What's the title of our program here? The Gaslighting of Safety. It was commented to me. No, people talk to me and they say, hey, we liked a lot of your older shows or you went into like real basic information we found very useful. We're going to continue that for, especially for a lot of our new listeners like Tommy from Fords, New Jersey. I was talking to him uh, tonight. He went over to our uh, channel uh, on one of our platforms and subscribed. So hello, Tommy. And just like uh, well, last night's program, a little bit controversial again. But you're going to say, Jim, what do you mean that was how controversial could that have been? Real simple. It was controversial. And I'm checking the microphone to make sure it's working tonight. Uh, shame and blame. What were your th- what were some of your thoughts on that? Shame and blame. Blame the employee for everything. Misunderstanding of a lot of safety out there. We're here to make the complex simple. We are also here to make sure you're not manipulated. Be informed. That's one of our other things. And we have a unstoppable pursuit of the truth here. Whatever that truth may be, we're going to go there. And it's truth as we see it. And because truth is often subjective, even though we try to be objective with that. So, the gaslighting of safety. There's been a lot of controversy out there the last, uh, you know, uh, couple of months here. Uh, no, who said what, who did what, what did what, what, who said this, and everything else. So I'm going to give you some information, and we're going to talk about two things. One, what is gaslighting, right? Number one. Number two is also very important. What's the difference between a standard, a guideline, regulation, and a law? Those are uh, something else we're going to go into how, uh, let me write, make sure I write this down, how and uh, disasters are managed. 
and the U.S., right? Something. So I make sure I wrote that down here. So what is gaslighting? Now, who would have ever thought that people who were involved in the 1938 British version of the play, uh, uh, written by Patrick Hamilton, Gaslight, Right, who originally wrote the play Gaslight, and then eventually the psychological thriller made in 1944, starring Charles Fourier, Ingrid Bergman, Joseph Cotton, and in her movie debut, Angela Lansbury, who shares my birthday, right, October 16th. Uh, now, she recently passed away. That was her breakout role, and uh, there she was played an 18-year-old uh, what they used to call Lady of the Evening, I think it was. But anyway, that's not important. So what's the story about? The story is about a young woman whose husband slowly manipulates her into believing that she is in, descending into insanity. It's a great movie. I don't really want to spoil it for anybody. But basically, a, uh, a woman died and left uh, the house to her niece, and her, as I recall, and her niece, niece's husband was con- uh, was uh, convinced that there was treasure in the house. So what ended up happening was, uh, back in the day before they had electric lighting, that everything was run by gas lights, a natural gas of sorts, right, and some other gases. They pipe it into the house, and you'd have little tiny uh, lamps, gas lamps in the house. And if everybody turned on the gas lamps at the same time or someone turned on one gas lamp, all of them would go dimmer. And this guy was in the, uh, in the, uh, lurking up, up in the attic and, you know, with the gas lamp, no, no flashlights. Turns on the gas light, this thing goes flicking, flickering and everything else. And all the lights in the house would go dim. And his wife was like, uh, uh, played by Ingrid Bergman, was like, dude, honey, the lights, they keep on going dim. And he would go, oh, what are you talking about? You're nuts. And after a while, it started to wear on here, and she was convinced that she was going nuts. So, well, gaslighting is a form of psychological, so this is right off of a uh, 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 textbook, right? Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which an individual or group makes someone question their own perceptions, memories, and sanity. The term gaslighting originates from a call called ga- a film played uh, uh, play called Gaslight in films, right? And the story is for, in the story, the protagonist's husband manipulates her by dimming the light gas lights in their house and then denying that they are flickering, making her doubt her own perception. Gaslighting typically involves tactics, and this is involved, right, uh, has evolved in description and everything else over the years, became an official uh, psychological term, uh, probably in the 1980s, early 1990s, right? So a lot of people use this gaslighting, but they don't ever describe exactly what it is. So there are seven basic topics to gaslighting, seven ways people gaslight you. Number one is denial. The gaslighter may flatly deny something they said or did, making the victim doubt their memory or recollection of the events. 
By the way, this applies 100% to safety, by the way. I get I got gaslighted for years, right? Misdirection. Gaslighters may divert conversations, change the subject, or make unrelated accusations to confuse and disorient the victim. This is often what salespeople do, right? Contradiction. Gaslighters might may contradict their own previous statements or twist facts to make the victim doubt their own understanding of reality. Contra, uh, withholding, number four, withholding information. The gaslighter may selectively withhold information to manipulate the victim's perception of events. Blaming. Gaslighters often shift the blame onto the victim making them feel guilty or responsible of the gaslighter's actions or behaviors. Right? Hey, we talked about shame, blame, and retrain last night on the show, right? Where that very well-known company was doing that. The next one, minimization. Gaslighters may downplay the victim's emotions, concerns, or experiences, making them feel insignificant or overly sensitive. Have you ever had anyone say, oh, you're so sensitive. You shouldn't be sensitive over that. Oh, that, you know, that emotion. Well, who gives a shit about that emotion, right? That, that sort of thing. Isolation. Gaslighters might, may isolate the victim from friends, family, or support networks. This is what uh, cults do, or people with cultish behavior. You get a new friend. Oh, well, you don't have to hang out with your old friends. You don't have to with your family. Why are you with your family all the time? Right? And, because, and then what, what's the end result? They make it easier to manipulate and control you. That's, that's another one. Gaslighting can, can, can occur in various relationships, such as personal relationships, workplaces. Hey, yeah, we know that in safety or even on a societal level. We're going to talk a little bit more about that now. And it's a harmful form of emotional abuse that can lead to a loss of self-confidence, anxiety, depression, and a distorted sense of reality for the victim. Right. And if you suspect you're being gaslighted, what's, what can you do? Call the person on it. Get advice. Get help. As usual, uh, if you uh, if you uh, have negative thoughts, thoughts of suicide, get help. All right, that's number one. Background information. All right, gaslighting. Number two piece of background information you're going to need for this. What and it's really important in safety that you understand this. All right. Four things. You have a standard, a guideline, a regulation, and the law. By the way, this is supposed to be covered in the first hour of your outreach training from OSHA. What the distinction is with all of this. All right. Any of those OSHA outreach training classes? They're really supposed to go into this uh, with this. Because, no, especially if that class and again all those classes are supposed to be tailor-made for the audience especially if that class is tailor-made for uh safety professionals for managers it's very important what is a standard a standard is a set of criteria 
within an industry or organization that describes what specific product, service, or set of behaviors uh, must be must be adhered to. Standards are often established by professional or trade groups to ensure quality, safety, and efficiency. They are typically voluntary, but can be adopted and enforced by organizations or regulatory bodies. What are some of the, uh, uh, in the safety industry, what are some of these things? It's a uh, uh, ANSI, American National Standards Institute, NFPA, National Fire Protection Agency, is another industry standard. American Welding Society, they issue standards. And often, for example, OSHA will refer to those standards. For example, for example, refer to ANSI Z87.1 for eye protection. Refer to uh, 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 well, what's another one? ANSI Z49 used to be, I think, foot protection. And that's another one. Refer to um, this NFPA standard for this. Re- no, uh, another one is ASHRAE, American Society for Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning. Right? Something like that. That's a standard by a trade group. These are updated periodically. The reason why OSHA often refers to standards is that the it takes 15 years roughly for a new standard to get issued by OSHA. So what ends up having to happen is they say, hey, look, we're going to be well behind the times, just like those forklift, I'm sorry, powered industrial truck uh, standards. And for aerial and boom lifts and all different lifts, we're dealing with 1970 stuff here and the regulation. So what uh, they'll say is, OSHA, well, we're going to refer to this, and for every four or five years, things get typically updated for things. So, so for example, ANSI Z359 is for fall protection. That gets updated. Then you have a guideline. A guideline is set as a set of recommendations that advise how to do something. This might be developed by a professional group or government body. Guidelines are generally not enforceable by law, but they can be a blueprint for best practices in a particular area or industry. Let's talk about this, what a guideline is. Often, they're issued as white papers, what they call white papers, non-reviewed white papers. And they could be a set of guidelines uh, informally done. But when do they really get enforced? In tort law. In the court of public opinion. So what happened here with COVID? Right? Let's talk about this. The CDC and other groups issued guidelines. Now you're going to say, well, are you defending this person? I'm not defending anybody. They issued guidelines. And this is what we think you should be doing. Now, let's say that there's a problem. Like you end up in court. What's, or you end up in some type of litigation. A regulatory action. You were not following those guidelines. 
even internally in a group of people. Internal, I get that. I used to get that all the time. Well, you guys did not follow the guidelines, and there was a problem. Yeah, guess what? That happens all the time, especially in an informal situation. How about from the news? I have a I I have a list of company I'm not going to go into that are in litigation with uh, on their COVID nineteen policies and their practices. So now we have guidelines, and the lawyers are saying to them, and I got to speak to a couple of uh, attorneys here. Guess what? They weren't following the guidelines put out by the CDC. Therefore, they're a bad company and shame on them. And they are liable because they didn't follow the guidelines. Then you get it on the government level. So certain governments, state governments, they didn't follow the guidelines from CDC. All right. Then you have what is called a regulation. So we just talked about standards, guidelines, now regulations. So regulation is a rule or directive made and maintained by an authority. Regulations are enforceable under the law. Regulatory agencies at various levels of government make and enforce regulations, often to protect consumers, fairness, blah, blah, blah. Regulations are usually more specific than laws, providing detailed instructions on how laws are are to be implemented. Now let's talk about laws. A law is a system of rules created by a government institution, for example, Congress. So... What happens is a law in the United States, laws are passed in Congress. Bills are passed. It does not become law unless one of two things happen. The executive, meaning the president, and on the state level works a lot the same. The president signs that law. Then it becomes a law. Or you have two-thirds of the majority of both houses of Congress Go and override the veto. All right? That's how something becomes a law on the federal system. In some of the state systems, it works a little bit differently, where if a governor does not sign a law, then it automatically becomes a law in some states. All right? Now, a law has to be, very, it has to be written very specific to delegate an authority to a regulatory agent agency. So, for example, the Occupational Safety and Health Act uh, basically uh, uh, created OSHA, part of the Department of Labor, and NIOSH, from the Centers for Disease Control, right, as agencies. NIOSH is a research arm. OSHA is an enforcement arm of regulations. And then they are meant to go through a regulatory process which is promulgating a regulation uh, and publishing it in the Federal Register. And then it goes through a whole regulatory process. It gets reviewed, it gets commented on, may get revised and everything else, and then it becomes a regulation. And you could also have an emergency regulation, which normally doesn't last more than six months. However, uh, you have a regulation that has to be specific. My stack of stuff here, right? Uh, let's see here. We have a situation with what is called uh, the Chevron case, 
which was litigated in the early uh, uh, 1980s, and the Supreme Court basically gave uh, regulatory agencies pretty much carte blanche to do things, and it's uh, there's a case working its way through the uh, uh, court system now, likely to be held uh, heard uh, maybe. Uh, by the Supreme Court, that might be changing in the very new f- near future. But basically, carte blanche. Now, now that we have all of this stuff here, and then you have the general duty clause, which we uh, talk, often talk about here, where you need four circumstances uh, for something to be uh, considered the general duty clause. So just so I don't mess this up, right? I am going to uh, uh, read this. I have it all written up because people say, ah, Jim, you know, uh, uh, four elements here for the general duty clause. I can't, I didn't have the file open. I apologize. So you need four different things. You need... So you need four elements. The existence of a hazard, the recognition of a hazard, feasibility of means of abatement, and failure, and you have a failure to implement feasible measures. Okay, those you need those four under this. Okay, now let's talk about uh let's talk about an article that we uh, came across. Uh it was an opinion article by Joshua Phillip. Now, again, now you say, well, that's not a factual news article, but it contains some facts in here. All right, this was published in the Epoch Times on May 10th. And this was about uh, 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 the recent uh, Fauci uh, interview in the New York Times of, of a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, no. Dr. Fauci, the head of the uh, infectious diseases uh, 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 part of the Centers for Disease Control, right, has gotten a lot of criticism on the handling of this. And what he said here, and this article is pretty good, but let me talk about this. Dr. Fauci is quoted in the New York Times as saying, when people say Fauci shut down the economy, it wasn't Fauci, that the CDC was the organization that made those recommendations. I happen to be perceived as a personification of the recommendations. But show me a school that I shut down and show me a factory that I shut down. Never, I never did. And I, I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendation and people made a decision based on that. So now the author, Philip, uh, Joshua Philip, goes on to say, Fauci responded to growing criticism in a recent puff, uh, uh, oh, hold on, hold on, I already read that. So Fauci didn't shut down the economy. Well, technically he did not flip a switch, and this is from the article, the opinion piece, somewhere that just locked down businesses across the nation. He didn't personally close down his school or personally put up a sign closing down a factory. But yes, as he notes, he gave the recommendation and the policy that shut down the country was based on his recommendation given from his position of power. And Jimmy will add this. And he was on TV every day. Right? It's like the president 
and this is going back to the author of the article, it's like a president uh, starting a war and then declaring he didn't go to war because he never physically set foot on the battlefield. There's a difference between physically carrying out an article on order and being one who pushed for the order in the first place. When it comes to lockdown, Fauci, by his own public admission, was the one who gave the recommendation for that order. Uh, no, no, no. Okay. Fauci said on uh, October 6, 2020, during a live forum, and when it became clear that when we had community spread in the country with a few cases of community spread, this was way before there was a major explosion like we saw in the Northeast Corridor, like Jimmy will add this, like where I live, literally, driven by New York City Metropolitan, I recommended to the president we shut the country down. So that's what he said in, on October 20. And then the article goes on to a whole bunch of other stuff here. Okay, now. How are disasters managed in the United States? So there was a local uh, person of note in my neighborhood who went, uh, when this hit with this, she said, why isn't the government, federal government doing things? She, I walked, no, this is one of the good things about COVID where you actually went out sign and met our neighbors, right? That was a good thing. And she says, uh, Jimmy, uh, why, no, how come this is being managed this way? And I said, well, look, just for the record, I'm a disaster response, uh, authorized disaster response worker trainer. All right. We go into this and I'm, no, I, everyone knows this, my credentials. I said, what, how it's managed is, is that FEMA is primarily a funding agency for disasters. They give very little direction in disasters. That, they do give some, but this is managed by other government agencies, like the Coast Guard for a disaster, or the local government, the state government. That is how disasters are uh, 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 managed. Right Now, my understanding of the law Right, is in the event of a major disaster, uh, you know, then uh, like a nuclear uh, type of situation, which I think we're going to be talking about in the next while here, not tonight. The government has certain no dictatorial authority. All right, on this, uh, um, on those that COVID with the Fatality rate being what it was overall did not fall into this type of situation. If it was something like on what you see on TV, these disaster TV shows and disaster movies, that might be a different type of situation. But this didn't raise, even with this with 1.1 million deaths, with everything that was going on and the demographics of COVID, didn't raise it. So the states were still had to go out there and manage things under the Stafford Act, I believe it was, a couple of other federal laws. Now, the worst time, and I mentioned this on Coast to Coast AM on the East Palestine dis- uh, disaster, the worst time to start messing around with laws and passing legislation is when you have a situation where you're in an emergency. There, that's my philosophy. There are people like Rahm Emanuel, former 
Obama administration official and mayor of Chicago who said something totally different, which is never let a, 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 a crisis go to waste because you could go out there and pass new laws and do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. So what's, uh, what's the situation here? It's uh, the state follows the law. The state does this stuff. The state manages things. FEMA funds things. FEMA pays for things. Uh, FEMA does training, right? So you have the whole independent study in- institute. They're about planning. They're about all this other stuff, right? Centers for Disease Control is very good at what it does. I tell you what, I wish I could. I don't didn't have NDAs covering me for the anthrax cleanups because I tell you what, for years without violating those NDAs, I said people, these people, I talked to people at the highest levels in this country. The CDC is not equipped to manage these situations. They're great as a research arm. They're great for what they do, but managing an emergency, not always. And the reason being is this. Generalists. This is what Fauci was talking about, right? And these articles, these interviews. And I'm not defending a new one. I'm just stating it like it was and inferring some stuff. What we need in our society is not specialists. Education has become very highly specialized, even to the point where people cannot function outside their education or outside their experience. They cannot go out there and do certain things. We talked about this last night with things. It's a different culture than what the Gen Xers like me grew up in. Right? And I don't want to sound like an old grumpy old man here, but right, people are not outs- uh, don't go outside their thing. So if you're an economist, you only know about the economy and that you don't know so much about science. If you're a scientist, you don't know about economy. So what what do we have? What's our education? My education here is more of a generalist. Environmental science, which is a system analysis type thing. Overall, how things work from one thing to another thing. Environmental policy analysis, that's what my education is, where we look at implementing environmental policy and government policy that sort of thing, and I'm not tuning my horn here, and we're a generalist. And uh, people in the environmental movement uh, on the libertarian side, like Joe Joseph Bass, former president of the Heartland Institute, right? James Saylor's uh, uh, predecessor, who, we, who was on our program, by the way, he, uh, he lamented not having a generalist out there who's able to put things together about the economy, about this, about that, about that. And what happens? Most of the people in government are attorneys or business people. Donald Trump is a business person. Joseph Biden is an attorney. You have certain people running for president, like uh, 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 Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which I have a call on to his campaign to come onto this show, uh, by the way, you can give us a call, 845-269-5772. I'll put you on the program for however long you want. Who's familiar with environmental stuff. You have certain thing, people like that who are more generalist. 
makes him a good candidate here. But anyway, I digress. I'm not endorsing anyone. I don't make endorsements on it here on this show. But anyway, what what's the thing? If we're going to change the law, or we're going to say under certain circumstances, federal government has to be involved, that's what we need to do. If we're going to go out and have decision makers out there, we need to have somebody with more of a general background, more of a general education, certified safety professionals, CIHs, and all the other alphabet soup of credentials that we have in our industry, perfect for that. A lot of them. Now, let's talk about what we originally did, gaslighting of America. I was fortunate to have grandparents that went through the Spanish flu back in uh, the, uh, 1918, 1919, 1920. Because I spoke to them before they passed away about this, and they communicated what they went through. What's going on now with this rewrite of history by everybody and these duck-and-cover moves, whether it's Fauci or whether it's your own organization that you work for, is an issue. Because I tell you what, the workers that got fired, the workers that uh, uh, died their families at least, workers who got sick are not going to forget so easily on how things are managed here. The antagonism, the blame the worker mentality, that's like I discussed yesterday. Our credibility, folks, is shot to hell in this whole industry here. In the safety industry, I can tell you what, there are people out there that have told me, Jimmy, I will never listen to another one of you freaking safety people again because of the mask mandates. And guess what? We were all under the impression, I, you know, if you go to uh, Safety Nights, who uh, was a sponsor here, uh, safetynights.com, you go on there and you look back in the archive, you see these people saying, I got along with my co-workers. And then COVID hit, we had to go through COVID uh, protocols, guidelines, again, guidelines, because the guidelines, if we don't follow the guidelines, we get our ass in a ringer with a regulatory agency or an attorney or bad press. They didn't follow the guidelines. They didn't follow the standards. So these guidelines and standards that are issued became, in fact, in fact, law, at least in the court of public opinion and in dealing with the worker. So what happens? We have a situation here where we have to rebuild our credibility. I don't know what some of these folks will ever be able to rebuild credibility. You're not going to rebuild credibility with the kind of philosophy what we were talking about last night, blame the worker and shame on the worker. And guess what? Now that translates into a worker wasn't following protocol, got COVID, died, got his family sick and died. That's a freaking worker's uh, fault. That's where that kind of mentality goes into. So this is what makes Hop very attractive. Human and organizational performance where you're out there and you're like, so what's safety? Safety is controls, safeguards, resiliency, capacity, all this other stuff that goes into it. It's not zero acts and zero illness and zero injuries. 
Because now look at the mentality that that's brought us in this country. One person gets COVID, two people get COVID. All of a sudden, we're shutting everything down. Schools got shut down. My son and daughter's school right down the street here got shut down over this stuff. Workplaces shut down. One person got COVID. Okay, we're shutting the whole freaking thing down. So what happened? If your kid had a little sniffle, oh, well, it's COVID. This is before the uh, kits came out. Shut down the place. Now do you see where the danger lies when you have this type of thing with behavior-based safety and zero accidents, zero illnesses, zero injuries ruling the day here? Now we have the gaslighting thing that comes in there where you have people, well, I never said that. That never happened. We didn't mean it that way. We didn't know, and it's a duck and cover move because now, guess what, especially high-level officials, now they're on the hot seat. Now they're on the hot seat. Oh, that's how it, and it's called gaslighting. Let's go through this again. All right, gaslighting. Denial. Here we have a situation where a government official is on record saying X, Y, and Z. I went to a couple of websites just now. Uh, I'm not going to mention the ones here on state level and federal level. All, All their press releases during COVID are amazingly disappeared. Wow. Incredible. Misdirection, right? Contradiction. Contradiction. Oh, and then say, well, no, you just don't understand. I didn't say that. Withhold information. How much information was withheld? Held here. The effectiveness of masks. And that's where the problem is, is the masks. They didn't recommend respirators. We didn't have the respirators. All right. If being a CSP or CHMM, take your pick. I'm not a CIH, but if you're a CIH before COVID, if you recommend protecting worker workers with anything less than a P100 respirator, or I'll say give it to them the NIOSH N95 respirator, if you just say, "Well, wear a mask," guess what? You probably you'd be you'd have a real freaking problem. So they're withholding information. CDC is loaded with CIHs, CSVs, CHMMs. We know that. It's completely freaking loaded with them. Not one of those people can come out there and explain what's going on from an official capacity with all respiratory protection. I have a video. You know, you can still find it out there from the beginning of this. Oh, he doesn't know. He has 30 years experience. And this isn't personal for me. He has 30 years. And it could be anybody else. He has 50 years. Blah, blah, blah. 50 years experience. Guess what happens? What do you think happened? Well, we were, we watched a TikTok video. We saw something on Instagram. And then he said X, Y, and Z. That's who we're believing. Now we got into a leadership situation. But there is a way to get your leadership back. We're going to talk about that in the very near future here on leadership and safety. It's one of our uh, one of our premier presentations and everything else on leadership. We went into it a couple of times. You need to have leadership. Regain that leadership. Regain that credibility. That's what we need to do. And here's the other thing. Isolation. Yeah, this happened in real time. Part of gaslighting is isolation. Gaslighters may isolate the victim. Oh, it sound familiar? 
isolate the victim from friends, family, or support networks, making it easier to manipulate and control them. Oh, we had the whole thing. Country lockdown here. Easy to manipulate, easy to control. How do you that work out in your workplace when you separate people? How about, you know, they always say during an accident investigation, put the witnesses separate and saw it to them separately. Yeah, okay, great interview technique. But that also gives you, the interviewer, an opportunity to manipulate people and to gaslight people. That's not what happened. We didn't lock people down. We, we didn't ever. So we're all involved with this, with the gaslighting thing. We're all victims here of it. As a country, as a world, I'm sick of it. Don't be manipulated. Be informed. Go out there, get an education. Educate yourself on this stuff. You don't believe me on something? Go, you go and you look it up. This is what I tell people. You don't believe me on a safety issue? Why don't you go and look it up? Don't believe me. You'll be much better for it if you go and you look it up. And that is always the safety war that we are fighting here. We're always fighting the safety war. So I'm going to take a brief time out here, a little bit of a break, and we'll be back to you in a minute. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Black Lane Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. So here we are. Back with Safety Wars. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. You can list that as a rant. I guess that's an official rant. I don't know. Do I have to have a different sound effect for that? Right? But anyway, that's also my foul ball alarm on uh, uh, at the baseball games when a foul ball goes out off the field. Anyway, and into the stands. Anyway, what do you think? Go ahead, give me uh, some feedback on here and everything else. This is one of the, those programs you probably want to keep this one tonight.
some of the news out there. I mean, now we're gaslighted from all different parts out here, all different areas. You name it. Religion. Uh, now, religious groups, cults, political parties. You name it. We are gaslighted. We are being manipulated. All right. This is not conspiratorial here. This is happening in real time with things. You name the issue. What do we need? We need unity. We need cooperation. We need community involvement. We need to go out there and talk to your neighbor. All right. You need to talk to your neighbor. Build up those bonds in your community. That's a social media. I can talk about social media all the time, and we will talk about it. What it's doing to the youth, how it's manipulating people. There used to be a song out there, still is a song, by a rock group called Sticks. Welcome to the Grand Illusion. Come on in and see what's happening. Climb on board to get your tickets for the show. And it goes on and on. It was a rock opera and the tradition of meatloaf, that out of hell. Wish I could play it, but it's copyrighted. I don't have the rights to it. But, no, you, right? It goes on like this. You, the gist of the song was you are comparing yourself to what's on the magazines, TV, the radio, and everything else. The 50 years since that song was written, look at the situation we are with the social media. Just look at it. You have fakeness there. You have filters there. You have bad information there. We're going to do a story next episode on AI and the dangers of AI. Ooh, I got one for you. I was talking about it a little bit with Jay Allen uh, today. All right, our safety mystic at Safety FM. It's incredible, all right? It's incredible what's going on out there. But what do we need? We need unity. We need people working together, people realizing that we could disagree and still work together. We could still live together. We could still get along. Whether it's in your family or if it's outside your family, in your community. That's what we're about here. Fighting that safety war isn't going out there and doing this, being confrontational. Going out there, what part of the safety war is going out there and having a backbone and having, uh, the word is, uh, not humility, but you need to have belief in yourself, confidence, backbone. You have, But on the other hand, you have to see it from the other person's point of view. Get along with them. Live with them. 
Most people like uh, like that Howard Veal moment in the movie Network. No, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Right? People want to be left alone with their Michelins and their colored TVs. Most people don't want conflict. But that's what we're about. It's about how do we resolve conflict? How do we avoid conflict? How do we argue for our side here? with this. So here we have, uh, let's talk a little bit of news here, right? I try to be on for an hour. We're at 48 minutes. Uh, let's talk about ocean news. So for whatever reason, maybe it's because they realize that we use the, uh, press releases here. I don't know. They're non-copyrighted. They're go open. No public records. U S department of labor cites two employers after workers show elevated, levels of inorganic arsenic at a Georgia chemical manufacturing facility. A U.S. Department of Labor investigation has found two companies operating at a such-and-such chemical manufacturing facility expose workers to chemical hazards. The uh, uh, OSHA opened an inspection after screening tests by Georgia Poison Control Center found workers employed by the manufacturer had elevated levels of arsenic. Yeah, I don't know. I hope that they weren't eating cookies there. That used to be a way wives used to kill their husbands was with sugar cookies. Because arsenic is sweet. They'd sprinkle arsenic on top of the uh, cookies. They'd eat them. And then how do they get them? No, they, no. You can build up a tolerance to arsenic in your system. Right? So the wives would have eat the same cookies as the husband. But the wives had arsenic that was tra- traceable for long-term exposure, usually in the hair follicles. But anyway, I digress. The agency cited this company with nine serious violations. Oh, you're going to freaking love this one. Okay, do they have... Here you go. And they changed the uh, form here. Oh, you're going to love this one. (laughs) Citation one, item one. Serious. Uh, this is under the arsenic standard, I believe. It's 1910-1018. Is that the arsenic standard? Engineering sir, uh, and work practice controls are not instituted to reduce inorganic arsenic exposure to or below uh, the PEL. Uh, on or about, blah, 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 the employer failed to implement adequate work practices in a control uh, at the work site. Okay. Typo citation one item two, where the possibility of skin or eye irritation from reading organic existed uh, for all workers in the regulated area. Uh, employer did not ensure clean, protective work clothing or equipment. Ooh. Uh, type of violation serious, no change rooms. And the last part of this, regulated uh, uh, areas were, right, uh, we're not all given an sh- opportunity to shower at the end of it. Total proposed penalties, $53,000. Now, something I can't recall off the bat, what's the PEL of arsenic? Thank God for the internet here. PEL of arsenic is 0.01 milligrams per meter cubed over an eight-hour day. So they were 20 times that level. That's an extremely low level of exposure with that. Uh, probably at 0.1 milligrams per meter cube, that might not even be visible. 
uh, for uh, that in my experience. So it's very low PEL uh, with that, right? U.S. Department of Labor recovers. This is a local story here out of Fort Lee, New Jersey. They don't mention, uh, here, hold on. They mentioned that mother uh, corporation here. Let me Google that real quick. Let's see. What is the local organization here? I might be a restaurant that I'm uh, I'm uh, familiar with. Do do do. Oh, okay. Do 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 do. Oh, this is not good. All right, so it's not a restaurant I'm familiar with that I've been in, but I am familiar with with the uh, restaurant. So they they were uh, essentially uh, back wages. They were uh, 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 they were uh, uh, assessing thirty five thousand dollars in penalties and three hundred thousand dollars in back wages. For six to three workers at the restaurant, after an investigation found the employer's pay practice violated minimum wage and overtime regulations. Uh, paying employees a day rate, a per diem rate, regardless of the number of hours they worked, which led to overtime violations, using checks and cash to pay a semi-monthly salary to kitchen staff, failing to pay tipped employees time and one half of the regular day rate of pay for hours over a 40-hour uh, work week, and uh, the lump sum of everything is roughly $300,000, right? Wow. Here you have another one. There is another uh, DOL uh, violation for a company. Uh, where is this? In Puerto Rico, where they misclassified uh, security guards. So there was uh, back wages, liquidated damages in from two Puerto Rico security companies and their principals after investigation by the Department's Wage and Hour Division. Department is also assessing civil mon- monetary penalties. So 300 security guards uh, were classified as independent contractors. Well, this is not only do you have a pay issue, independent contractors are not covered under occupational safety and health laws. That's why a lot of employers do this. They said, well, hey, uh, you know, uh, don't need them. Uh, we don't need to follow any rules, blah, blah, blah. We're going to get around it. So we're right up to the 54-minute uh, uh, mark here. I'm going to cut it short because uh, anything else I do here is just going to be a filler here. So we're right at 54. I want to thank everybody for the continued support. And remember uh, us uh, going out, remember to uh, – if you need health and safety resources, you need health and safety information, you need to help hire me as a health and safety person or my company, JCP Technical or Safety Wars, we do that. We No, we, we do health and safety training. We have, supply all different types of uh, 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 labor, right, as far as health and safety-related stuff, sa- safety officers and everything else. Uh, just today, I got a phone call. Jimmy, do you do uh, first aid CPR AED training? I say, yeah, I actually do. 
okay, uh, what's the difference between you and everybody else? We focus on accident prevention and also all the regular topics, and we tell you how to manage accidents. If you're a thing, we have a section in there, how to manage them. That you're not going to get from those community first uh, CPR providers. So we were able to line up a class. So that's what we got going on here. Uh, I will see you tomorrow night or God willing, if not then, then the night after. And good night, everybody. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching Good night, a everybody. version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position. It's lemonade. It's lemonade. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Good night, everybody. See you tomorrow, hopefully.